Good morning. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning at verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley and was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were many, of the, there were many on the surface of a valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come in, that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, that you may come alive and you'll know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied. As he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Let us pray. Father, there are times and there are seasons when we feel like dead, dry bones. Lord, is uh, just like the life and breath have been just sucked out of us, Father. Father, we need a renewal, a revival of your Spirit upon us. Father, we need your Spirit to to breathe on us, to refresh in us, to awaken us to the things of God. Father, in this message today, Lord, may you be given glory. In Jesus' name, amen. What we have here is a vision of resurrection. Resurrection unto life does not occur due to a person's sense of being a a spiritual individual. Some people call themselves spiritual because they have a sense of uh, otherness apart from themselves. Or perhaps because they are on a, or by their own power, they have uh, turned over a new lease on life, as some come to say. And, uh, you know, when you convert yourself, the final analysis of that is there are seven more spirits who inhabit you than what there were before. Uh, Any self-renewal, self-reformation ends in disaster. Jesus makes this emphatically clear when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. 
The idea that only Jesus can give eternal life, resurrection life is so foreign to the secular mind that they would argue that this very idea is a violation of natural law. Normally, you don't see dead people coming to life again. I can recall in an episode of MASH, when a, a soldier from Luxembourg had uh, mysteriously vanished from the surgical hospital. And they had assumed or presumed that the soldier had died. And while they were holding a memorial service for the soldier who died, uh, out as they were playing the national anthem of Luxembourg, out comes a soldier all wrapped up in, in, in bandages, both arms sprung open like this, being held in, in form. And he walks out, and the medical team looks at one another, and Trapper John looks at Hawkeye, and Hawkeye looks at Trapper John. Hawkeye says to Trapper John, I thought he was dead, and Trapper John says, he got better. Death to life is a violation of natural law. When you're dead, you probably don't get better. To their way of thinking, death is finality. To them, space is not the final frontier. Death is. Death is full, complete, total annihilation. And in the words of that great thinker, Porky Pig, that's all, folks. In our text for today, we find that the Spirit of God led the prophet Ezekiel to a place, a valley full of dead, dry bones. The first verse says, and it was full of bones. Now, folks, this is where the unsaved world lives. You have 25,000 people living in this community, in your city. Hazelwood, 25,000 people. People just as you and I at one time were. Many of these people who live here are what you used to be. Dead in trespasses and sins. We live in a world with seven and a half billion people. And according to statistics, one billion of that seven and a half billion are Christians. That means even if every one of those who claim to be Christian were saved people, there are still six and one half billion people without Christ in this world. They are dead in the trespasses and sins. Their mind, will, and emotions are being energized and governed by depraved fallen nature. Paul states in Ephesians 2, 3, we all too formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. And Paul again writes in Romans 8, 8, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So then God asks Ezekiel this question, can these dead bones live? The world may say with melodic tune, oh yes, 
All you got to do is pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and start all over again. We may sing it and have fun with it, but there's no truth behind that. When you are dead, you do not pick yourself up. You do not dust yourself off, and you will not start all over again. But what the world has not taken into consideration is this. When you're dead, you, can't, you cannot respond to your mind and your will and your emotions. When you're dead, you cannot respond to the voices of other people. When you're dead, all thoughts and movements have ended. When you are dead, all you do is lie there, and the processes of decomposition have begun. When you're dead, you lie there. I had mentioned to you that I had worked in a funeral home. I believe I have. But in the three years I worked in that funeral home, I was a part of over 1,000 funerals. There were dead bodies all, all around me. We would, when I had lunch break, I would sit in a room filled with dead bodies, and I would just sit there and eat a sandwich. And you become so callous to the idea that people are dead. It no longer means anything. They're just corpses lying there, and, and uh, what might stigmatize other people, and some people might become apoplectic by the thought of being around a room of dead bodies. After a while, you become callous to it. And yes, at a funeral, it seems like everybody, if you listen to the preacher preach, everybody goes to heaven. They're in a better place. If they don't know Jesus, I don't think that where they went is a better place. Do you feel dead? today how do you feel the only thing the only thing that can get a dead person back to life is a breath of fresh air when a person is lying in a casket and I've seen people even attempt to crawl into that casket with their dead loved one. I've seen it with my own eyes. And you have to restrain them. All the tears. All the mourning. All the emotional breakdown does not bring that person back to life. They're dead. Scripture says, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, there's judgment. How do you feel this morning? Can these bones live? The response from a naturalistic, humanistic mind is no. But then look at verse 3 at the response Ezekiel gives. Oh Lord, you know. Lord, you know. Have you noticed that when Jesus just happened to get around dead people, they always seem to as Trapper John would say, get better. In Matthew 9, he raises Jairus' daughter. In Luke 7, he raises the widow's son. In John 11, he raises Lazarus. 
Jesus must have been very unwelcome at funeral homes. When you're around the person who is the resurrection and the life, you are not dead. You are alive. Listen, God not only knows, but he is the one who initiates life. In John 6, 63, we read, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. That when you, as Christians, hear the word of God, it ought to spring a sense of fresh air within you. There ought to be renewal and revival in your spirit. Your heart ought to rejoice because you have the opportunity now to hear the word of God. It is that word of God that gives life to us. It is what animates us. It is that word of God that brought you to church today because there is some sense of obligation in your part that the God who gave you life is the God who calls you together. And you become his army here at this church. You are an army of life people. Whether you're one year old or 101 year old, it matters not. Your bones are not dry. You are not dead. And even if you were to die physically, you are not dead. You're just transferring over to a new citizenship in a better place. Now, since we are in John chapter 6, I would like for you to please turn to, if you would, turn to John chapter 6. I want to show you something in verses 64 and 65. I, I read for you John six sixty three, but look at verses 64 and 65. 64 says, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew, listen, Jesus knew from the beginning, not the beginning of his ministry. I believe he's talking about the pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus is God. He don't just start knowing from a particular time frame in history. He knows from eternity. Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And look at verse 65. And he, and he was saying, For this reason I have said to you that no one, listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. This is so important. No one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. No one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Jesus does not give life to everybody. If you think that, you're theologically incorrect. Jesus does not give life to everybody. Not even most bodies, but only to a few bodies. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because Scripture says so. If you were to look at Matthew 7, 13, 14, he says, wide, wide is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. 
most bodies, most bodies will not have eternal life. Most bodies will end up as dead, dry bones. And their bodies will decompose. Their spirits without Christ, their spirits will be be consigned to a place in hell. You say, oh, pastor, that's offensive to me. It's offensive to me too, but it's the truth. I know I've used this illustration before. But I want to use it again with just a little twist to it. A famous TV preacher was being interviewed on a TV talk show and was asked this question. Is Jesus the only way to God? The answer he gave was quite stunning. Yes, he said, Jesus is the only way to God. And then listen to what he said. But... There are many ways to Jesus. Do you believe that? Did you listen to what I just read to you? Look, look again. John 6, 65. No one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. There's not many ways to Jesus. Only one way to Jesus, and it's through the Father. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through Jesus, John 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am your your avenue to the Father. And then Jesus says, the Father, the Father is the avenue to me. There are not many ways to Jesus, folks. I don't care who you're listening to on TV. I'm just telling what Scripture has to say. This is not Pat's words. This is the Word of God. That for you, for you to know Jesus and for you to get to the Father, it is reciprocal between the Father and the Son. It is the Father who leads you to Jesus and it is Jesus who leads you to the Father. There's no other way. It is not this church. It is not being a person of influence. It is not being popular. It is not being spiritual. It's not being religious. It's not even being a Baptist. It's through the Father and through the Son. You get to the Son through the Father. You get to the Father through the Son. There's only one way. That's that's all there is. One way to the Father, through the Jesus. And there's only one way to Jesus, through the Father. There are people who were at one time dead, dry bones spiritually. And now, listen, that was all of us. We were all at one time dead, dry bones spiritually. And now we live as sheep in the fold of God. Not because we willed it, but because that God sovereignly acted in our lives. And he drew us to the Son, and the Son brought us to the Father. And how does that happen? Does it happen sometimes because you just happen to wake up and fairy dust fell on you, and all of a sudden you realize that you needed God? No. 
It happens because someone, somewhere, sometime, somehow was able to get the message of the gospel across to you. You heard who Jesus was, that he is the son of God who died for your sins. He was buried and rose again on the third day. You heard that, you believed that, and you put your trust into Jesus Christ. That's what happened in your life. However, all those circumstances that led to it, I don't know that, but somehow you had to hear the message. But my question is, if that's what happened to all of us, that we heard the message, then why are we not getting that message out to everybody that they too need to hear the message? Son of man, can these bones live? And he answers, oh Lord God, you know. You know because you ordained it. You know because you ordained it. Let's look at verses 4 and 5 of our text. In verses 4 and 5, let me get back there to Ezekiel. I'm still in John over here. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I said earlier that the only thing that can get a dead man back to life is a fresh breath of air. Scripture says, I, I will, I will, not you will, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. Let me take you back to the creation of man. In John and uh, Genesis chapter two and verse seven, this is what we read in Scripture. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. You want to think about. Evolution? Well, here's something to think about. God begins with a pile of dust and ends up with a guy wearing a suit of clothes. Folks, listen. The only thing that separates ashes from animations is the breath of life. If God took a hunk of dirt and he fashioned it and he breathed into it life. If he breathed into it life, then that hunk of dirt, I, I use this term tongue-in-cheek, evolved from dirt to a human being. If you want to say, well, there's evolution, well, that's quite an evolution there. You go from dirt to human being. Because God breathes into that life. God breathed into you when the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God regenerated your heart and you began to recognize the truth of the gospel. God breathed into you life. And now because you went from death 
to life, you were able to then, because the Spirit had regenerated your being, your heart, because he, regen- he brought you back to life from death, you're able then to respond to the Word of God. Oh, Lord God, you know, because you ordained it. Perhaps today, God will speak to someone here, and you are seated here today, and you're without Christ in your life, and your heart is just still cold, dead to God. And the Spirit of God breathes into you a breath of life. And now you respond to Christ. Say, Jesus, I put my trust in you as my Savior and my Lord. Ezekiel speak to these bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord in verse 4. Ezekiel, when you preach to them, I will use what is said and let that be the power necessary to give them life because when my word is preached, I will breathe into those who hear me new bones, new strength, new skin, new life, new breath. And they will become an exceedingly great army. Encamped along the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Against the foe and veils below, let all our strength be hurled. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Listen, my friends, you become a member of the army of God. And you are encamped along the hills. You are encamped along the mountain peaks. You are encamped along the hillsides. You are encamped along the knolls of life. And there in the valley sits the dead bones of people who need to hear the word of God and receive a breath from God. You are God's Ezekiel's today. Friends, we in Christ have gone from death to life, from atrophy to army. I want to close by going to look at one other verse in Ezekiel chapter 37. If you'll go back to 37, look at verse 13. That was not part of our text, but I need to add this in closing. In verse 13, it says, Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. God tells Ezekiel to tell the people these three things. Number one, I am the Lord. Number two, I have opened your graves. And number three, I have caused you to come up out of the graves as my people. Now, friends, listen. Salvation that is being raised from death to life, begins and ends with God. Notice again that God tells Ezekiel to tell the people that He is God. He is God. It is not the government that is God. It is not the nation that is God. It is not prosperity that is God. It is not your looks that are God. It is not what you, where you live or what you drive that is God. It is not what you possess that is God, but He is God. He is sovereign, and without Him there is no life. He has with Him the breath we need to be a person that possesses real life. 
Then God says, I have opened your graves. We were held in bondage. We were buried in bondage to Satan, dead in our sins, spiritually homeless, helpless, and hopeless. But God, but God, the Bible says, loved us. But God, the Bible says, made us alive. But God, the Bible says, has raised us up. But God, the Bible says, has seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then God says, I have caused you to come out of your graves, my people. Jesus tells us in John 27 28, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. You are his sheep because he has spoken, you heard his voice and you followed him. I want to share with you this one last thought. This one last thought with you. God spoke to Ezekiel over 2,500 years ago. This story is over 2,500 years old. Ezekiel is now with the Lord. But have you given any thought to the fact that you are God's, you and I are God's spokesmen, spokespeople today? There is always... There's a whole world of dead, dry bones in the valley of death all over this world. It is the people like you and me who are called to go into the world and preach the gospel to those who sit in darkness. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings life to those who are dead. Dead in sin, dead to the things of God. You, my friends, are God's army. I want to ask you this. Will you, as a member of God's army, a warrior in God's army, will you carry his standard? On every hand, the foe we find drawn up in dead array. Let tents of ease be left behind and onward to the fray. Salvation's helmet on each head with truth all girt about. The earth shall tremble neath our tread and echo with our shout. We are an exceedingly great army. And we are to go into the valley of dry bones and preach the gospel to every creature that the breath of life might breathe in them. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this Sunday morning. Thank you for those who've come out, Lord. We bless you. We thank you, Father. Lord, we are dead without you. We are animated by you. Lord, as you want to accomplish today, Father, whatever you want to accomplish, Father, we make ourselves as useful instruments to you. Lord, only do not leave us unto ourselves because we will bring it to ruin and disaster. But Father, do as you will with us today during this time of response. In Christ's name, amen.